0: Since the Future Primitive, I'm happy today to be back with Dr. Robert Casey Foreman. We had a wonderful conversation some months ago, and therefore we decided that uh, we would bring our voices to you once again. So let me remind you, dear listeners that Robert Casey Foreman writes with the authority of A Lifetime of Personal Mystical Experience, an international renown for his book, books, articles, and workshops about spiritual experience and the past. His latest book we spoke about last time we were together is Enlightenment Ain't What It's Cracked Up to Be. And so I'd like to begin by asking you, Robert, how is your experience with having Enlightenment Ain't What It's Cracked Up to be published and uh, rolling down the road?
1: Well, thank you for that wonderful introduction, first of all, and it's a real delight to be here. I so enjoyed our conversation last time. And I have a feeling we're going to have just as much fun this time, and I hope the listeners and Has been has been really a uh, gratifying, I would say. i've been gratified by hearing how much it seems to have affected people and how how much that honesty is needed in our society and how much it's been important for people to see it and hear it and know it and so i'm 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 very pleased with the response that i've gotten of course i wish i sold more books but but i'm very pleased with with the contacts that i've had and and the people that have contacted me and the sales are doing okay they're not terrible at all but it's not a bestseller that's that's been the part that I, I you know that i had to come to terms with' it's like oh it's, it's a book cool <laughs> you know but it's not the end of the world
0: so um this book can be bought on amazon yes. and um, it also is available through my website through the books website which and the book is called
1: enlightenment ain't what it's cracked up to be and the website then is called enlightenment 8 without the apostrophe.com
0: and so um let's uh, make this book a bestseller. I was um I'm ready? Yeah, great. I was looking through it today again. I've re- I've read it very carefully. And um you know, I was struck once again by um the humility and the simplicity that emanates from your writing, given that often there's so much grandiosity expressed with this word, enlightenment. So just for a moment, I'd like to ask you if you would talk about the non-grandiosity of enlightenment and yet the beauty of it.
1: Well, to some extent, that's the challenge that I was facing as I began writing the book and as I began my life. I, I, I told you last time that I had an experience, I had a permanent transformation that happened to me at the ripe old age of 24 and my first thought it happened in meditation and my first thought was oh goody 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 this is this is enlightenment and and it didn't take that long before i realized that whatever it was it wasn't making my life amazing it wasn't making me a superman it didn't make you know it didn't make my hair light on fire it <laughs>
0: <laughs> to use mit romney's term right it didn't it didn't um
1: you know it didn't transform me i was still struggling with anxiety and depression and whatnot but i had this fantasy about what enlightenment was i had a very grandiose idea of what enlightenment would be like or what it was about what enlightened people were and i had to come to terms with the fact that whatever this experience was, and I eventually did come to the conclusion, by the way, in graduate school, that what had happened to me was, in fact, what they were describing as enlightenment. Um, I had to come to the conclusion that, that it was not... Enlightenment isn't grandiose. It's not nothing, and that's been the interesting challenge to understand that. It's not at all nothing. It is an important human possibility, and it's the possibility of holding... Full awareness one's own consciousness or one's own sense of being at the same time that you conduct your life and never forgetting never for an instant forgetting that sense of consciousness the sense of spacious openness inside and you do that at the same time that you're engaged in your Because I construe myself as writing a book when you tell the truth and I, and I attempted to tell the truth in the book, I, I construe the book and I, I, I construe part of my life as a, an attempt to answer to the illusion of certainty and dogma and and convention. I think that, that certainty and dogma, no matter what they are, whether they are, you know, in some religious system or on a political point of view or or in, in a sense that uh, the spiritual world is the only way to be, I think certainty of any sort is, is not only dangerous, but is a kind of blockage of real life. And I'm attempting in my life and in my writing to speak for and out of a sense of what is really real what is really honest what is really true and if you tell the real truth you have to be humble you have to recognize how little you know and, and and how little we are and how little strength we have so yeah i think that the humility you sense is very much at the core of what i'm attempting to do thank you for noticing it by the way that's a very sweet
0: yeah, thing yeah, yeah. So, um, before we started uh, doing the public part of our conversation, um, you shared with me that you'd like to talk about the challenge challenge, and blessing of truth-telling. So, um, how do you know your truth in a way that you can say, When you write it or tell it, you can say, yes, that's true for me.
1: God, I love your question. Um, First of all, I don't think you can. Uh, I think that one of the illusions that we hold about honesty and about truth-telling and about being real is that there's a kind of a one-shot deal associated with it. Um, I used to think that when you, uh, you know, like, for example, the, the most famous one of these is f- somebody finally, you know, after many, many years, they finally say, I'm an alcoholic. And somehow that sentence is supposed to be the answer to everything. It's like, okay, I'm done. I've, I've told the truth. I'm an alcoholic. by bye And I think that there's a, there's a profound mistake in that, which is that truth is not like hitting yourself on the head with a hammer. But more like, um, more like drilling down into the earth. So it's, it's it's telling the truth. is more like a process than a thing. So you go and you go and you go. For example, um, I, I can you know it, it's uh, something like uh, one of the conversations I've gotten into with my wife with her. Um, you know, it's like she'll say to me, "Gosh, you've been mean," and I'll get very defensive and I'll sort of deny that I've been mean. And then at some point I'll say, yeah, I guess I have been a little mean. Well, that's not, that's not the final answer. That's the beginning of an answer. So that it, it, if I stick with it, I'll say, yeah, I've been a little mean. And then I'll kind of sit with that one for a while and I'll say, you know, I've been a little mean to you. I've been feeling kind of grumpy at you. And then it's like, well, my grumpiness comes out of the fact that I've been sort of stressed at work. And then it might be that I've been stressed at work. And, you know, you sort of look back and you look back and you say, well, somebody has, you know, been saying such and such about me. And so that's below below that. And then below that is, and I'm afraid that maybe what they're saying is true. And then below that is, and I'm afraid of that because, you know, when I was a kid I used to struggle with that. And then below that is another one and another one. And I think truth-telling is a process. It's not a thing. And that's been a mistake that I made, and, and I think we all make, is to, is to say to yourself, you got it. So that when, you, when we think about the book, the Enlightenment What It's cracked up to be, i like to think that it's true, but I also think if I wrote it today, now two years after I wrote the thing, if I wrote it today, I'd, I'd, I'd have more things to say. and In fact, I do have more things to say. And so it's, it's, it doesn't stop. So did I get to my truth there? Yeah, I did pretty good. But I also know I could keep going at it, and I can always keep going. And so that it's how do you know you get to it is, is really the core of your question. And I don't know that I ever do get to it, but I know I, I know when I'm sort of on the trail. I know you know that I, I know when I'm lying to myself. In fact, that's the one thing I can say is like, oh no, you're kidding. You know, mm-hmm. this, you're just telling the story. I, so it's I know when I'm not on it. I I can't say when I got it, and I certainly can't say I have it finally. But I know when I'm off. I know when I'm lying to myself or when I give it, hey, I'll give you an example, I'm talking too much, but I'll just give you this example and then I'll stop. Every single time I would I would read it, the, the book that you have in your hands is, is draft 11. And and the way I got through every draft was I would look at every single sentence on there and I would say, is this really true or is this just a cute answer? Mm-hmm.
0: Like I find it to be true for me, often when I'm sharing my truth with somebody, it will elicit either mad laughter or crying in either or both of us.
1: this is kind of what you're pointing to also. If I tell the real truth, the person I'm with will start to tell their real truth, if they're ready for it. Mm. And, and I look for people that can do that. You, you do that quite well. Thank you. So that, so that if, if I can tell something that's really quite true for me, that I, I can expect that you're also going to come out with something that's quite real for you. And that's, I think, I think that's the kind of pattern that I've seen over time, that truth invites truth. The depth P T H,
0: not the It's depth invites depth, and I think that that's that's almost a dictum. I could, I could, I could. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure about. Yeah, I'm seeing it's like a it's like a perfume. The release of intimacy. Uh, kind of press the button, and psh, intimacy begins to happen. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's almost like when you drop down, I can smell it. Yep. And when I drop down, you can smell it. Yeah, I think there's something in there. I think that's
0: a lovely way to think about it. Okay, so I don't know how I'm going to formulate this question, but um, there is the... I, I i don't know any other form of spirituality for me than living, living... When I feel that I'm living authentically. Um, so, what, what about this edge between psychobabble and the truth? Does that evoke anything in you?
1: Dude, I would I would spend a lot of my time off on retreats, uh, and I take a retreat every year, a solo retreat every year. But but um, it, that was sort of all I knew. And over time, I began to realize, and this this is partly what enlightenment, what it's cracked up to be, uh, is about. But over time, I began to realize that that if enlightenment or if spirituality is going to have a real impact, it's got impact on our life and how we are. And here comes your phrase when you start thinking that way. Here comes your phrase, living authentically. And I'm completely in accord with the thought that it is authentic living that we're really after. And that is, I think, very much uh, on my mind. And I think when I talk about truth-telling, I think the word authenticity comes to mind. But I, I don't see there as being a sharp line, and perhaps you, you're thinking the same way, but I don't see there as being a sharp line between psychological work and spiritual work. Mm. For me, the way I tend to think about those two is, when I run into a particular problem, for example, um, well, there's a passage in the book that talks about success and failure, and that I was afraid of being a failure, that I was, I was craving success, And success and failure are very much spiritual issues. You're attached to success, and you have to be successful, and that's a spiritual matter. But it also has psychological issues underneath it or connected with it. And I had to be thinking about who were my parents and what was my, I was attempting to get love by means of being successful. And I had to name all that stuff for myself as part of the process of slowly and painfully letting go of the whole image of being successful and being a big shot. And that, I think, is sort of standard for me, that that when I'm really working at letting go of a particular issue or if I'm really working at, at, at becoming more authentic, I have to also work at what is stopping me from being authentic. And there is the place of psychology. Psychology deals with problems and where you're screwed up and what you're attached to and what's underneath your attachment. I don't think that to solve something psychologically is enough to move it forward spiritually. I think there's a kind of an opening up into greater reality that the spiritual path points to. But I think that anybody that denies that the psychology is involved with that is just kidding you know, it's, it, there's, there's a certain kind of self-delusion, uh, almost a spiritual bypass. Sooner or later, you have to say to yourself, my mom would, I, you know, I grew up thinking my mom was going to love me if I was more blah, blah, blah. And that's a huge deal. And if, if you're going to let go of that stuff, if you're going to let go of whatever this pattern is, like for me, success and failure, I have to come to terms with the psychological structure that's behind the craving and whatnot. And it, it, it's right there that psychology it, it does play a role. So I, I want to say that the two are connected, more like flip sides of a coin than like divided like black and white are. Hmm?
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I absolutely, in my experience, I absolutely agree. Yeah. And going back to the matter of truth, and yet uh, for me sitting in AA meetings for 20 years and listening to people tell their truth, I mean, and, and knowing when they were really giving their truth is what led me to be a lot less dishonest. <laughs> so...
1: Hearing in, in your statement is that you you know when somebody's telling the truth and when somebody's giving you a rap and they're very different in quality.
0: But it changes it. It changed me. Yeah. You um, can hear that? Here's the here's the word I've been wanting to mention um, for a few minutes, and uh, I wanted to say encouragement is what it's cracked up to be. <laughs> encouragement. Yes. 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 So um, yeah. anyway, here we are right now, and uh, I think I'd like to ask you, what about your next book? What are you What are you thinking about and working on now?
1: Well, thank you for asking, and and it's and it's, it's early in the process, um, but I I think that what I've been learning since writing the. Last I want, to be, I want to be helping people kind of explore in their lives, and I want to explore in my own. It's, the leitmotif is about breaking out of our boxes and, and, and speaking into what is really real and speaking into that, that sense of the slightly risky because you know you're telling what is really real for you. And I, I find that process just unbelievably delicious, don't you? I mean, I know you know this, when you speak the real truth, you just are, it, it's almost like you're in love because it's so new and so alive.
0: I, I had an extraordinary experience uh, the other day. As, um, I, w- I was in a business situation with somebody and they made me a proposal and uh, I didn't answer this proposal for weeks. And it was terribly rude. And I was in my shower, and uh, I realized that the reason I wasn't answering them is that I had an expectation of them. I thought they were going to save me, and um, they hadn't done that. And this had nothing to do with them. (laughs) It was my own story I made up about being saved by them. And this is a business situation. And so I went to my computer and I wrote to them. I said, you know, I, I just thought I was like this race car person, and I was going to wear this. Um, I was going to wear this shirt with the name of your company, and you were going to pour millions into me. It had nothing to do with you, and so I'm so sorry. I was so rude, and uh, then I felt totally released and the beauty of it is that they answered me with hugs and and thank you for telling the truth and let's renegotiate and so i went oh this can even work on a business basis if you're dealing with people that that are congruent with who you are you know
1: I- kind of look at yourself. Truth telling in my world, the way I conceive of it, always has to do with telling the real truth to yourself and it's always about you. Truth telling is not about the other guy. It's you know, like it's never about you look fat in that dress or you've been mean to me or you're you're you know, you're really irresponsible. It's always about me. If it's going to be useful, it's always about me. So it's about have I been mean to my wife, have I been dishonest with you and so what you did when when you were in the shower was you said to yourself oh i see i've been expecting that gang to save me so the truth was really about you and your stuff it, it's never about the other guy so that's that's the first piece and and i compliment you for it by the way and i compliment you for being able to both see and also say you know on the air that that that's the kind of thing that you were struggling with i think that takes a lot of courage to thank you but, business agreements that we could count on to be, that people would live in integrity. I mean, of course you still have to write the contracts and stuff to, you know, say in particular what you're planning on doing and what the financial arrangements are, but even in the face of that, there's nothing stopping you from, from dealing with one another straight up and dealing with one another in a way that's very wholesome and very honest, and I think it's a very inspiring possibility that we could think about doing our businesses in this way.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. I I think that that was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. Um, just to drop into that and totally feel released by it, and uh, go back to these people. And it, I mean, I'd like you to speak about because there's there can also be tremendous compassion in telling the truth. I mean, these people thought I spat in their face because they were bad, I'm sure. Hmm. And it goes back...
1: So well, you're telling them the real truth with compassion towards them.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, just in the sense of what I I shared with you before, that um, that I I got sober when somebody said to me, have you no compassion for God? And I went, wow, oh my goodness. You know, I, at that moment I didn't objectify God and that saved my life or objectify these people at this corporation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, I, want to, I want to think out loud a little about this notion of truth-telling as, a, as an act of compassion. Yes. I know.
1: Articulate what's really going on for myself or between me and somebody else. That to speak it to somebody else is such a gift. You just clear out all the crap that's been between you two, and you just say, "And here I am." You know, here is what it is. So I think truth telling is a, it's an act of enormous compassion, though it doesn't look that way. It's not like you're giving somebody food, but you're giving them sort of the food that is being alive. I always feel like when I share with somebody what's really going on, and, it's a, and then they share it back with me, it does feel like a certain kind of nourishment or food, so that if you think about telling somebody the real truth as a gift of a certain, of that kind of human food or human quality, I think there's something in there that we can say, you know, to speak truth is a compassionate act, it is a gift that you give to somebody else. I think it's a beautiful thought, Joanna.
0: So how would you write about that? By telling stories of moments? How would you do that?
1: You know what I would do? I mean, and, and to some extent, enlightenment ain't what it's cracked up to be does this. I would, I would allow myself the privilege of being confused about it <laughs> in writing. And I would allow myself the, the, the privilege of going through the process with another, with the reader, of to say, you know, here's where I struggle, dear reader. Here is here is what it is to give a gift to somebody. And I think, and and that word, I think, would be in there. It's, uh, one of the things I found myself doing in, in Enlightenment, and what it's cracked up to be, is um, not every sentence, but many, many sentences, and certainly every paragraph, has something that's a kind of, bit of self-crit, a, a bit of kind of saying, I think. You know, I can almost open the book at random, and I pick out a sentence. You know, for example, I just opened page 96, and I said, frankly, I think the spiritual challenge of today is greater than it was in traditional times. Mm-hmm. We have to confront our own and other people's sexuality every day, overtly and often publicly on the street, on the TV, the theaters, and in the Internet. Notice that the paragraph starts with frankly, I think. You know, it's like, that's, that's sort of where we are. You know, if we tell the real truth, we know extremely little. You know, it's like, I know what I think right now, but I don't know what is what is absolutely true. I think the difference between where I am and probably where you are, and where my rabbi was, or where a Catholic priest is, is that, you know, or where I used to be as a spiritual teacher, is I used to think I knew everything. I think I used to think I had the truth. And that there's a kind of struggle to to discover what is true and in that act you're offering somebody the privilege of struggling back with you and i think if i was to write about this it would be right in there that i'd be writing i'd be looking to say "I, i don't know about compassion but this does feel kind of compassionate to me to share with another and this does feel like a gift of life but doesn't it coming back to this doesn't it feel to you like when you share with somebody what is real, that is, there, there's such a sense of of sort of feeding each other, of, of of nourishing each other with what it is to be a human being. I think that it's I think it's more nourishing than carrots. You know, it's just it's so delicious <laughs> to to share with another human being where you struggle and what you don't know and what you do and. So I, it would be in there that I'd be trying to do this, and I would be trying to be honest with somebody about my own struggle to make sense of what it is to be human,
0: telling you know, telling what's really so for you. So um, this is one of the reasons I loved uh, and still love your book so much, because um, I am afraid of what I would call spiritual bypassing. And if I sense the human in the spiritual being, it's much more important to me than is if I sense the spiritual being in the human.
1: Yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. But talk more what you mean about spiritual bypass. You're using it in, in an unusual way.
0: Um, well, it kind of goes back to what we said in the middle of this conversation. Spiritual bypass would be... Um, Somebody who uh, speaks about uh, the oneness and uh, what they feel is what you call in those tubes in the back of your back of your cranium, and uh, who speaks with a sense of uh, words of equanimity, and uh, but yet. Uh, has not come in touch with their own pain.
1: Right, or their own dishonesty, or their own, or their own cruelty.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, their own violence.
1: Yeah, so in a certain sense, what you're describing by spiritual bypass is the person that is still caught in their own self-delusional fictions about who they are, or about what this is all about. Well, yeah, a- and I think that's where this stuff gets dangerous. And I think if I was to write you know, the next book that I write, it, it would somehow be in here. That, that to be able to explore aloud the whole process of the discovery of what you are and the discovery of what is honest and the discovery of of what it is to be human. and, and, and What it is to be human. I was going to say human and spiritual. Well, what it is to be human? I think that, I think there's real... There's a real gift in that. And I think that it's the same kind of gift two people can give one another when they start speaking as increasingly true depth to one another. So it'd be in there something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So- I, want to, I want to point out something else. I mean, we've talked about the fact that truth is always about us, and we've talked about the fact that it's always anxiety-producing. But I think another piece of this, and this connects to what we've just been talking about, is that the interesting thing about truth-telling, and the Forge has a program called Soul Jazz, and this is, this is taken from the Soul Jazz program, um, but the interesting thing about truth-telling is that it almost always begins with the sentence or something like the sentence that says, really sure but or I don't know exactly or I have a friend that, that you can always tell when she's getting something true because she says I'm glad I put this but mm-hmm. there's a kind of acknowledgement that you are coming to the end of what you do know and you're going to or towards something you don't yet know if we're really talking about telling the truth you're talking about saying something that you don't yet know what it is. Huh. So that there's, there's always this kind of acknowledgement of, you know, I think this is right, but I'm not sure, or, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out how to say this, but I don't know. And so the truth-telling has that kind of self-acknowledging. You, you acknowledge your own limits. You acknowledge the limitations of what you do and don't know. And I think that that, too, is a marker of that. And think how different this is than most god most politicians, most people who you know, claim to know some, some spiritual truth, religious leaders. I mean, when's the last time you heard a priest say, gee whiz, I don't know. You know? When's the last time you heard a spiritual teacher, some guru type say, I really don't know. Right. But, but I think that th- those are the spiritual leaders I want to hang out with. Those are the ones that I want to be with. Because those are the ones I think are actually telling themselves,
0: yeah. So truth contains humility.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. the word you started with. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what humility is about, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I d- yeah. Now I get you. Yes.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So, um, Robert, what would you like me to ask you next? <laughs> <laughs>
1: In other words, you don't know where to go. and I don't know where to go either, so that's a good place to be. Good. I'll tell you what. If I, you can ask me this, but I'm also going to ask you this, and I don't care who goes first. But if we, if we talk about telling the truth, I'd like to invite you to speak of what you're feeling just this moment. And, I'm, and you're welcome to ask me the same question because to some extent we're kind of theorizing about it, but if we actually start exploring out loud where we are right this moment, I think that that's honest with people because I think both of us are going to be sort of discovering aloud. So I'd like to invite you to explore that and you're welcome to ask me the same question back.
0: Okay, ditto vice versa. Okay, I'll I'll start. Um, I'm uh, feeling playful, which has two sides. I always start to always. I often start to joke when I'm uh, when I'm uh, called to be vulnerable. Uh, I'm um, feeling. Uh, excited about this conversation. I'm feeling, I'm feeling shy. You wouldn't think so, but I am shy. I'm feeling scared, because I always feel a bit scared. And uh, I'm feeling peaceful at the same time okay you're it
1: oh, I'm, I'm happy to be here but let me respond to you a little bit uh, first of all thank you i think that there was some real there's some real bits of Joanna in there and I really appreciate hearing it this, uh, i i i do feel the playfulness and I also feel the the, the tenderness of this expression of being shy and that you're playful in part because you're kind of ducking I think that's very self-aware and self-revealing and the fact that you feel peaceful in the middle of all that is very interesting to me I'm not quite sure what to make of it a- as for me uh, the thing that w- when when I was asking you that question and I sort of reflect back and, and sort of feel it now I, I think in a funny way um, the thing I feel mostly right now is mournful. And, and the, the sense of, the sense of, um, melancholy that I, that I feel right now, kind of mournfulness, is in a certain way that, I, that you and I have never met. And that, I, and I feel very, both very intimate with you, but also very far away. In other words, even though we're, you know, a thousand or two thousand miles apart, I also feel very close to you, and this This is our second conversation on the air, and and I think that there's something that begins to develop that's very delicious and very humane, and in a certain sense it sort of feels like, oh, why is this lady living so far away? It would be so nice to just be able to have a cup of coffee with you, and, and... Share with you. So there's a kind of longing in, in my sharing with you. There's a kind of, sort of invitation for depth that I often feel a longing for. I think that that um, I'm also, though, also feeling a little um, shy isn't quite the right word, but I'm also feeling a little um pulled back, and not pulled back from you, but pulled back because this is a show that's, you know, there's a conversation that's going to be listened to by other people, and I don't know who we're talking to, and I'll never know who we're talking to, and and there's a kind of, oh, you better be a little careful here, you don't know what somebody's going to do with what you're saying, and so there's, a, there's both a kind of longing to be, uh, just sort of be able to hang out with you, but there's also a sense of, a wariness that I'm feeling a little bit of and it's it's all it's a kind of structure structural wariness if you will I'm I'm a little wary of all the people that may be listening to this that I have no idea who they are so that also pulls me back just slightly so so that perhaps that's part of the longing that I feel there's a kind of there's a kind of deepening quality that I'm I'm engaging with with you And there's also a slight holding back maybe that's what the longing is there's also a slight holding back from you and from from our listeners because i kind of don't know who's with us here and and i'll never know so that there's a kind of an ambiguity i'm sitting in there's a kind of on again you know a kind of come here go away quality to it or a, a sense of a conundrum we're in the middle of and that feels very not confusing to me but just um kind of it feels like a very complicated moment on the one hand i feel increasingly open and intimate with you. Intimate, obviously, not in a physical way, but intimate in the sense of sort of being able to share. And at the same time, I feel like, uh-oh, I better not go too far. I've, You know, I have to be slightly careful here. And so there's a kind of, um, you know, sort of reaching out, and pull, reaching towards and pulling away almost mm-hmm. at the same time with you, yeah?
0: Well, this is... Uh a new experience for future primitive and uh, I think uh, truth telling is very much about courage and I celebrate and trust that courage in you and so I say, let's offer that come here, go away, slightly timid but very brave, considering the other, the other interviews I've done. Let's, let's offer this little, little flower of intimacy to whoever it is that's listening.
1: It's, it's something I've heard in connection with uh, Enlightenment a, What It's Cracked Up To Be. Quite a number of people have told me that they've shared the book with another person and then that, that, that sharing has been more intimate than they've had. And I think I think, considering what we're sort of inviting each other to now, I'd sort of like to invite our listeners both to, to just say to a good friend that you've got to pick out the right person. You've got to say to a good friend you know no shit, what are you feeling right now? You know, no, let's not bullshit, let's just say what's really going on here. And, and, um, and I'd like to invite our listeners to have a conversation like that with somebody that they, they know. I mean, the nice thing about the Soul Jazz program is that, that it actually trains people to do this a little better and, and I think it's moderately effective, but um, I, I think that, that the invitation is there to have us all share with one another God knows we can use it. I find that the only thing I want to do is to be with people that want to be able to share at increasing depth with me. And if I can engage with somebody that way, then I feel like my day is wonderful. And if there isn't any of that, I just feel like it's a kind of a dry day. And so I'd like to invite our listeners to have a conversation with their friends and to say to their friend, or their family, or their husband, or wife, or lover. No, really, let's see if we can tell the real truth about this, and just get all the ambiguity, and the confusion, and the the I don't know's out, as opposed to in, and just let it be. I think it does take courage to do that. But if there's one thing I'd like to invite more people to do, is to live in and with that kind of courage. Yeah, I think it is a kind of an offering to
0: folks. Well done. Uh, I think that's wonderful. You
1: know, I'd like, to, I'd like to say one more thing. I don't know how we're doing. On, how we doing on time? Okay?
0: Well, we, we, we need to uh, bring the circle around soon, soon, okay. soon.
1: Well, let me, let me just say one more thing, and that, and, and that is um, something that I know you're going to understand. I hope our listeners understand it, too. When I share what is really true with people, and I think this is the connection to the word enlightenment, when I share what's really true for me, there's a kind of an opening up, and I'm feeling it right now. You said you said at the end of your self-description that you were feeling a little... Um, you, you also felt some silence in the middle of it, or a sense of presence in the middle of it. I think that when we tell the real truth, there's a sense almost like... Our chest becomes an inverted funnel, so the big part is facing out. And it's it's almost as if you it's almost as if as I'm talking to you, I feel my chest sort of open up like a big funnel. And it and I'm not sure if it's if it's you or the the spirit or something else that I'm feeling, but there's a sense of opening up into a kind of that when we tell the real truth the closer we get to the truth the more we open up like that the more our chest becomes that great enormous funnel out to the world you know we sort of open out into the world and that i think is so delicious it's just a very good feeling and it feels like you're being very alive and connected at the same time and i think that that's That too is what I'd like to invite our listeners into—that sense of spacious honesty. And the more honest we can do, we can do, we can be, the more spacious we can feel. And I think that that's just the best gift we can give each other.
0: Well, Robert Foreman, it's one eleven on my clock. <laughs> oh, back to reality huh? <laughs> yeah, right. but 111 gives us a little space for uh, fantasy and uh, so um, let's have one of these conversations again in a couple of months oh man I'm really look forward to that you're just such a wonderful conversationalist interviewer and I just love talking to you thank you Robert So let me, let me say my couple of websites Yes, of yes, of course. And
1: also, I want, to, I want to express my thanks to you. So the websites are um, enlightenment8.com. That's the book website. And that also will, will tell you how to get in touch with me if you want to do a little spiritual
0: counseling. Good. As I've been doing some of that. Yeah. And then the, the, the forge website for the Soul Jazz program uh, is Go Deeper Together.
1: Primitive is made possible by the Marion Institute. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider supporting our work by making a tax deductible contribution online at futureprimitive.org.